What's going on, everybody? Raph here. Before we jump into the episode, I have to let you know that Craft Recordings is proudly celebrating the 25th anniversary of REM's seminal 10th studio album, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, with a special expanded reissue. It is a bonus-filled two-CD, one-Blu-ray, deluxe edition. You got a trove of audiovisual content, including new the newly remastered album, 13 B-sides and rarities, a never-before-released 64-minute outdoor projection film. My God, what is that? <laughs> a previous un- previously unreleased 30-minute EPK and much, much more. It is necessity for an REM fan. The album, including the singles Ebo, The Letter, featuring Patti Smith, Electrolyte, and Bittersweet Me, is also available on 2CD, vinyl, and digital formats. Stream or order today. And without further ado, it's three from the seven time. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to Three from the Seven, Relics' weekly news podcast chronicling the biggest news stories from the last seven days. My name is Rafaela Kenny Sincata. I'm the associate editor at Relics Magazine, and I am joined by my comrade in arms, the baddest thing on four strings, ladies and gentlemen, Karina Reichman. Hey, hey. Thanks, Raf. Thanks, Raf. What it is, what it do, how's it going? It's great to be here with you. My friend. It's great to be here with you too, my friend. Uh, There's there's a lot to talk about. We're obviously going to spend a lot of this episode talking about Astro World and the implications thereof down in Houston, sending love to people in Houston. But as far as housekeeping goes, Karina, I know you're well aware of this fact, but uh, an update for our listeners, an update for people at Relics, an update for the world at large. I will be phasing out of my role as the associate editor of Relics Magazine, moving on to a, a different job in the more civilian realm. Uh, but I'm certainly not going anywhere when it comes to writing for Relics. But uh, as far as podcasting goes, I believe my last episode will be next week. So, Karina, this is my penultimate appearance on 3 Raph, it honestly, you know, you know, as much as I know that this is the case, it really hurts to hear you say it out loud. Um, and I mean that with love because we're so excited for Raph, everybody. We're so, Raph is on to a new chapter, a wonderful chapter, and it's a beautiful thing, but it's also a horribly sad thing. And I'm not going to get too, I'm not going to get too emo right now. We'll save that for the next episode. But uh, God. It, it's it's unbelievable to think that 122 episodes later, Raph, this is and we kept it together remotely throughout the whole pandemic. It's really, it's a uh, it's a new era. It's a new era. And for our lovely listeners, uh, I don't know what remains to be seen uh, for this podcast. If I will continue onwards with perhaps a new host, if it will be, you know truncated altogether. Uh, we just don't know yet. Um, hopefully we'll have a little more clarity on that situation, uh, by next week's episode, but man, Raph, I'm not going to get emo right now. I'm not going to get emo, but I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss you, dude. I'm going to miss this. This is fucked up. I can't, I can't. Don't leave me. There, there's, uh, beauty, there's beauty in the unknown. There's beauty in the future. Uh, but we will savor the moment that we have together right now, Karina. Um, she's so strong. She, you hear how strong she is? Oh, she's so strong. Who is she? She's so strong. Oh, 
Anyway, I love her. I love her. You love her. Uh, I mean, there's not going to be a dry eye in the house next week, dude. There's not going to be a dry eye. Mine included. Ay, Dios mío. Oh. Anyway, Raph, you take it over. You're stronger than me. What's we, what's going on? What do you think? On. We must carry on. Uh, and of course, I'm sure we will reflect further next week on my, my departure. But the good news is I will always be a jam fan. You'll always see me in the crowd raging it up. And I'll still write for Relics on a freelance basis. Hopefully, definitely. Uh, so overall, you know, the future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. Uh, and you it's know, so we have true. a responsibility here, Karina. There is new, there is news to report, so we must carry onward. Uh, th- there's a lot of news coming out of the city of Houston. Astro World uh, is a disaster. On, I mean, Karina, I can't even remember in recent memory a festival going this wrong. Uh, of course, Travis Scott's Astro World we're talking about. Uh, it, it had Travis Scott as the host and headliner, a Houston native. Uh, as well as acts like Tame Impala, SZA, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. So this was a major event. Estimated 50,000 people were there. And Karina, like I said, I mean, can you remember a time that there was such a disaster on a mass scale like this? The, I mean, this was really bad, Raph. This one was really not good. No, I mean, I can't, but I also have the memory of a small goldfish. So, you know, no one... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, just because I don't remember doesn't mean that it didn't happen. But I'll tell you, this uh, this is really a, a, a sad, very tragic one. And uh, so many accounts on social media, you know, of firsthand sort of what went down. And, and you know, that, that one girl's account where she just, you know, lays it out. And when she fell to the floor and was just getting trampled and sees another man's face on the floor next to her, just completely getting demolished by people's feet, like at, with no fault of their own. It was just it's too much. It's uh, that had me in a very I, I mean, you know, by by had me, I mean, caught me extremely uh, upset. And it's it's just absolutely horrible. And they tried to stop it. She tried to go to the officials, you know, that be and say, stop the music, stop the music, stop the music. Travis Scott clearly saw what was going on, even, you know, if not to the extent that it ended up being, of course, but what, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, think- that, that's the messed up part, right? Because, you know, yeah. we've, we've both been to plenty of shows, festivals, you know, Karina, you are a veteran of the, like the metal scene that certainly has some of the the most rough and tumble crowds there are, but the fact that this just went on for such an extended period of time, as of now, the eight people have died, scores more were injured um, because of these mad, crazy crowd surges that I think is less of a... Uh, I mean, obviously, Travis Scott has responsibility at his feet. I think Live Nation has responsibility at their feet for putting on this event that was severely understaffed. And Karina, like you know, like I said, like you know, your experiences in the metal world or the punk world or whatever, or even like you go to hip hop shows and stuff too. Like this, this is something that is clearly symptomatic of a greater problem at the event. It's not like oh, everyone in the crowd suddenly decided to go crazy. Like this seems like a you know mistakes on like major on like a grand scale, you know. I would say so. And I think it's, you know, I, I saw two nights of Thundercat this weekend and the first night was, was the night of the Astro World tragedy. And it just so happened that, you know, two people throughout the night must have passed out, you know, in the crowd. And, you know, you could see audience members shining their flashlights and being like, stop, 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 help, help, help. And Thundercat immediately did the sensible thing, stop the music pointed, said somebody needs help out there, watched as the person, you know, got dragged to safety, 
and then resume the show. You know, like that is the that is the sensible thing to do. That's what anybody who, you know, if you saw a horrible fight break out as a performer, if you saw somebody literally passing out, you know, whatever, that that's your responsibility is to stop the show. It's not worth it, you know, like I am as big a believer in entertainment as anybody on this earth, but it's it's a matter of life and death. And, you know, people come to your show to let loose, not to die. It's absolutely horrible to think that this, you know, all transpired in such a way. And yes, to that to that point, Raph, you know, I've been to many a metal show. And I I remember being a kid at metal shows pressed up against um, the rail and definitely screaming in agony, like, cause I was getting crushed and I've woken up with bruised ribs and I've woken up with, you know, black and blues all over, but n- nothing like that. And especially not in, in a pit sort of situation, which was never really my scene to be in there. But like, of course I would be on the outskirts of it and always like everything that I've seen. And trust me, I've seen, I've seen some shit, you know, people pick each other up when they're yeah. not well, you know, people lend a hand, people are looking out for each other, but this just seemed like it just, it was overwhelming on every level. And, uh, you got to think that Travis could have, you know, stopped it Uh, or at least, you know, taken stock of the fact that absolute pandemonium and not the good kind was going on, you know? No. Yeah. And, and it's funny enough that the, one of the stories that's kind of floating around is that Travis Scott has previously stopped a show when he was like crowd surfing and someone stole one of his shoes and he stopped the music, stopped the show, give me my shoes back type thing. And then, you know, he there's like a video floating around, you know, social media now where he's literally watching like an ambulance get brought in and doesn't stop the music. But like I said, I I don't think it is a like hip hop problem. I think it's a Travis Scott problem, first and foremost. And I think it's a staffing problem and I think that with the return of live music right now and the fact that there's a lot of money that needs to be made back uh from a year plus of lost shows I think the event was understaffed and I think it was dangerous I mean the fact that there was that many people in a single crowd like why weren't there multiple barricades like breaking up the crowd I mean you go to like Bonnaroo or whatever and like there's still these like tiered pits where it's like they're they're they prevent it from being this huge mass of people that can push people around. Um, and then it kind of brings down to the fact of like, I have a friend who, who does nightlife in New York and she staffs events at Webster hall among other places. And she had posted this whole big thing about like, you know, you need to hire twice as many staff as you do and you need to pay them well. And it's a matter of uh, if, if you're trimming your budget uh, when it comes to staffing, you're going to have a huge problem. Um, and, and the people who work these events, uh, were so overwhelmed and so unprepared. Like, there should have been triple the security there. And then, I don't know if you saw this, Karina, there were, like, people, like, crashing the gates when it opened. Like, there was people, you know, swarming merch booths, all the stuff. And it's kind of reminiscent of Woodstock 99, in a way. Certainly. Certainly. And, you know, there's uh, a certain level of, uh, you know, sort of crowd unruliness that is acceptable and this has gone so far over the line you know and it's just it's it's hard to see and it's hard to imagine you know the the oldest person who lost their life at this show is 27 that's literally my age you know yeah 14 year old 16 year old like all the horrible horrible shit that you just you can't imagine this kid goes to astroworld and comes home not 
alive, you know, and by that I mean doesn't come home. Um, yeah, really rough, really, really rough. And uh, God, my heart goes out to all all the families impacted and people who, you know, the girl who wrote that really amazing you know, firsthand account of what it felt like, you know, that's, that's, you know, she didn't lose her life, but that is traumatizing. You know, you imagine being thrown to the floor and you see like, oh God, just layers and layers and layers of people getting trounced on, you know, and it's, that's just uh, such a horrific idea that I can't, I don't even know (laughs) how to make sense of that, you know, and I hope she gets help or, you know, comes to terms with what she saw there. Cause that's not, that's not an easy, uh, trauma to get over, shall we say. So, yeah, it's crazy. Man. I mean, it's wild. And considering like I went to a fish show a, two, a few weeks ago that, you know, the same, you know, the night after I was there, two people died. And now it's crazy to be like, Oh wow. Like death at shows is kind of like <laughs> the norm now, I guess it's crazy that we have to keep talking about stuff like this. Cause it's like, you know, music is such a, a lifeline for people and people go to shows in order to feel alive, if anything. Um, so it's just super upsetting that, you know, that, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever the circumstances may be, if the environment isn't keeping people safe, I think it's pretty messed up. And I mean, even like I went to outside lands over Halloween and I thought that was really oversold. Like there was a point where me and my boyfriend were in like the general admission area and we literally could not choose where to move because like the tide of people was pushing us in one direction and not the other. And actually funny enough, it's a crack a joke. I was supposed like on my way to grasslands, which is like the weed area. And I created, I had free weed waiting for me. Like there was like a gift bag of that. You know, one of the vendors was like, Oh, like you're here, you're pressed. Like, Oh, let me give you some free, whatever. So it's like, I didn't even get my gift bag because the crowd oh. was so oversold. And obviously I'm, I'm joking, you know, safety first, whatever, but it's just, funny where it's like man like the the lack of accountability or the overselling of tickets like post pandemic I feel like is something that's slowly coming into focus as a problem at these large events um because outside lands was definitely oversold and and god knows 50,000 people at this astro world thing uh is crazy and I mean the funny thing is if I lived in Texas I would debate going I'm not a huge Travis Scott fan um I do think his uh, his rodeo mixtape slaps. It's awesome. Um, but like, I'm a huge Tame. I'm a huge Tame Impala fan. I'm a huge SZA fan. I'm a huge Earth, Wind, and Fire fan. So you know, sure. th- this really did bring together people of all walks of life. And it's really scary that like you're billing this thing as the largest artist curated music festival in the world, the largest event in Houston, and yeah, it's large, but it's not safe. Uh, so I mean I guess skew to your uh, skew to your smaller shows these days, folks, because these big ones they they're really working out the kinks. I mean, Karina, have you ever been on stage and seen something like that happen where you feel like you need to stop the show or anything like that? I mean, granted, uh, you know, Marco's shows are a little more bouncy and not as ragey, but still. <laughs> sure, I, I mean you know back in my back in my metal days, if you will, I do remember like you know being a young kid and seeing like you know sort of fights break out but you know people sort of falling down I do remember one time god I I was I don't know probably 17 or something and somebody kind of got knocked out at a show of ours or something and we definitely stopped and we're like yo somebody help see that guy out you know or or whatever and then you see people helping them and then you resume the show you know but no in in the Marco era and my festival playing era um I haven't personally 
seen any of that, but it's horrifying. And it's horrifying to feel like, you know, responsible as, you know, the artist that people came to see. But I think that, you know, Travis should feel perhaps more responsible. I'm sorry to be that guy, but I really like, you know, he should he's famous for inciting these things at his shows, you know, there's been several reports like leading up to this other shows where he's been like arrested for inciting a riot or whatever, or, you know, totally, you know, you know, speaking out afterwards being like the shit's unsafe. There was also an Astro world documentary. It might still be on Netflix if people want to watch it. Um, but it does show these crowds getting so crazy. And the Astro World tour was applauded because, and, and I get it, like the actual like stage production of it was incredible um, and very ambitious and very, like, you know, the guy's got vision. I'll give him that. But if your fans aren't safe, like, at what cost? Yeah, I know. It's, it just seems like there's a way to split the difference here and you can have a rowdy and amazing and, you know, a spectacle of a show without, you know, when you see people really in harm's way. Well, I have no doubt that he saw people really in harm's way. I have yeah. no doubt that 100%. he was staring at that, you know, and was just like, oh, yeah, like, this is this is great. This is rowdy. This is, you know, everything I want it to be. You know, it's like they, there, there has to be some sort of a line there. And that's me coming from I'm an extreme metal head. I'm such a hip hop head. You know, I've seen it all. I love it all. Uh, but, you know people's well-being at your show is an important uh, element. Hello. Like, you got to make sure your people are okay. You got to make sure people are okay. Jesus. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. It's rough, and, and Raph. It's rough. The other thing is that, you know, I feel like there's this, like, PR, like, move that's happening here with, with Travis as well. Like, he had, he posted a video and he was very much like, I'm cooperating fully with authorities to investigate what happened, but it's like, I feel like it seems pretty clear cut what happened, you know, (laughs) like you had a couple of hundred security, uh, you know, trying to keep 50,000 people safe and you encourage the crowd to go insane. And like, I truly don't think the music, like the style of the music, the genre of the music, the aggressiveness of the music has, it has zero impact on the crowd. This could have been a fucking classical show, but if you had the limited staff and you had an artist that was unwilling to stop the show, it would it would be the same problem. I really I genuinely think that. The same way like it's this or, you know, Limp Biscuit at Woodstock 99 or whatever. Uh, I mean, look at like a band like Slipknot. Like Slipknot is truly like balls to the wall crazy, you know, aggressive music, but like they'll stop they'll stop a show, you know. And then I, I guess, think so, 100%. And I guess from your perspective as well, Karina, I mean, like, is there a psychology to not wanting to stop the show? I mean, I don't know. Like, do you think, like, when you're up there, you just want to keep this this party going and don't want to, like, fuck up the fuck up the vibe, fuck up the momentum of your of the performance? Of course. Well, that's why it's a, you know, it's a balance that it takes being, you know, a rational, reasonable human to be able to know when you need to stop the party, you know? as a performer, all you want is to throw the best party for people and keep them going and, you know, not fuck up the flow of your thing that you have going on. But that's only, you know, so good as long as people are still there to, you know, be alive, you know what I mean? Like you need to, to, you know, be sort of aware. And it's, it's one thing if you don't know, it's one thing if you're performing and, you know, something at the back of the room is going on. And of course you, you can't, you know, hold yourself accountable for absolutely everything that goes on in the room that you're performing in. But this was far too widespread and far too fucked for him not to have known stuff was going on. You see the videos, you see him, he's looking at it and he's just like, yeah, 
this yeah. is going on, you yeah. know? And I'm like, and, oh, and I think, God. Yeah. It, it's, it's very much this, like, rock and roll thing. And then also, like, you know, to, like, weirdly draw, like, a, like a, a military, like, comparison to it. Like, he's the captain of the ship. You know what I mean? Like, all that, that attitude flows downstream. You know what I mean? Um, so granted, like, you know, was Travis Scott in charge of hiring every security guard? No. But this is his event. His, it's his name you know, at the tippy top of the pyramid. And he has a responsibility to the people who work there to keep them safe. I mean, I feel bad for the security who were there trying to do their best, you know? Although I will say there was like a live stream and there was like a, I don't know if you've seen this, Korean, there's like a video that's going around now of uh, a couple of fans were like genuinely trying to save someone's life and were like jumping up on um, like a camera podium. Oh yeah, and, I've seen all those, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so the, the fans were like, gra- like trying to get the attention of the camera guy saying like, hey, like there's someone who's dying over here. Like you, we need help, stop the music, call someone, we need help. And the camera guy just ignored them and told them to get them off the podium. Um, and that's fucked up because that guy definitely had a radio. That guy could have helped someone. Um, but chose to just be the camera guy, you know? It was, it was very much the attitude of, like, it's not my job, you know? Um, totally. And, and that, that's fucked up, so fuck that guy. But I do feel bad for the people that, like, I'm sure there were, you know, security guards who were overwhelmed trying to, like, do CPR on some fucking teenager. Um, it's, it's, it's just a mess. It's the biggest mess of all time. It's like, because you're totally right. Like, fuck that camera guy for not doing something. But also, like, you know, I, that on the, like, just playing devil's advocate for a second, I've been at you know, enough shows where there are wasted people who don't know their left from right, who go to quote unquote, the officials, you know, that could be security, that could be the camera guy, whatever, and say absolutely nothing, asinine bullshit, you know, and you have to just continue to do your job under those circumstances, you know, so it's so hard to distinguish what what is really real here and what is just a you know a person going crazy because you know again these are concerts these are environments for people to let loose and do this stuff and uh, how many to i don't know have you been privy to something like that raf i don't know and working in it yeah it, the way i do like i do i see wasted people like being like yeah i gotta get past the barricade she's my sister Mm. and it's like no i'm not your sister you know what i mean or like whatever and then they're hassling security for the wrong reasons and stuff like that but you know obviously this was a different situation but it's 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 hard to split the difference between you know figuring out that you need to stop everything and fuck your job and like people are at risk here in a big way and like knowing that you know, maybe somebody is just out of their mind and they're, they're going crazy. Like it's so, it's such a, oh, it's a fine line there. It's a fine line there. So, and it just, it makes tough, you, man. yeah. And it makes you wonder like, at, at what point can we like say that we've figured out how to run these things? I mean, it, the modern American outdoor large gathering is a half a century old, if not older. And it's crazy that, you know, we can't have 50,000 people safely get in a space together. And this is why I do think like the the unspoken thing here is like this is a this is symptomatic of a post-COVID music industry. And I genuinely think that's part of the problem. I think they're trying to get as many bodies in there with as few staff as possible. So the bottom line is as fat as possible. And I do think I think greed has a role. I think like panicky uh you know industry 
higher-ups being like, all right, Travis Scott is going to play to as many people as possible, and we're going to make as much money as possible because we lost all this money in 2020. And I think it's a huge fucking problem. And I think sacrificing fans, like literal sacrificial like lambs in this situation is so fucked up. Uh, and it bums me out, man. It really, really does. It, it makes you think twice when you go to a show. I was thinking that at Outside Lands. Like, there was a moment where I was just, like, in a swarm of people. And I was like, how in the world can this be safe? How in the world? Right. Um, and, I, and then I also <laughs> I, think, Karina, yeah. maybe we're a little spoiled, too. Because you and I, you know, we, we run in these circles. We're like, yeah, like, uh, you know, I'll be in, like, the VIP or whatever here or there or whatever. Obviously, this is post uh, pre-pandemic, you know. And then you don't realize how bad it can get in the GA. So then you only have like these kids who this is their second concert ever and they don't know, you know, they're left from their right. And they're just, you know, being put in this situation that is just like at at what point is G.A. so bare bones and such a non-luxury experience that it becomes dangerous? It's a great question and one to be thought about. And especially now, I think everybody in the concert business is, uh, you know, God willing, going to double down on their safety, on the measures that they need to take to protect people. Because otherwise, you know, without people who are alive, living concert going fans, like there's, you gotta, you gotta do something to keep the people safe, man. I really, I mean, I hope that this is a huge wake up call to the whole industry in a big way. And I hope, again, not to be this guy, but Travis got to start be held responsible beyond paying the funeral expenses for these people. You know what I mean? Which he is doing. Then, yeah, we appreciate that. That's great, you know, but God, something's got to give with this guy in the shows. And like, I'm a big fan for the record. I love Travis's music. I think Astro, like, it's, um, I love it. And I think if I had been in Houston, I totally would have been there. Why not? Yeah. You know, uh, I say this not as anything, but just like, uh, you know, a human uh, health and safety you know, person who's concerned about those things, you know what I mean? Like, it's not anything but that. And just, you know, people can go crazy at your shows, but people, you know, need to be kept safe as well. And uh, there's really a a way to do both. There really is. No. Yeah. I mean, as I, like I said earlier, I I genuinely think Travis is is a guy with vision um, and he is a guy with an incredible platform. And And I really hope that, you know, at least there's some, you know, resolution some reform that comes out of this karina how can we how can we end this on a positive note <laughs> how can we end this on a like, positive oh. note Rab? <laughs> yeah. you um, started the episode telling our fine listeners that this is your penultimate showing and then mm-hmm. we're ending with a little travis scott death and Descru- destruction it's uh it's a painful episode Raph. for me for the people i i i how do we figure this out what do we what do we say what is it? Well, do you oh, have shows coming up, or how's the how's the record? <laughs> Everything's good. Everything's good. I'm actually I am going to I you know believe it or not I haven't been to the Brooklyn Bowl yet since post pandemic uh, you know reopenings and whatnot. But I am going to play the Brooklyn Bowl not this Friday but the following the nineteenth November nineteenth with Johnny Kimmock. Um, opening for the slip, which is a big deal of a certain variety. So that's a fun little gig. And right after we hang up, Raph, I'm shedding, uh, about 13 Johnny Kimmock tunes for this, uh, for this little shindig. So I'm excited about that. I'm playing three nights in Portsmouth with Marco Benevento this weekend at the press room. They are all sold out. So if you have a ticket, I will see you there. If you don't, uh, you know, 
just buy me dinner at Jumpin' Jay's Fish Cafe and we can talk about it, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. Oh my God. Well, maybe do that. Venmo me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it's like I do. Karina's like <laughs> slinging tickets to her own shows. Like you're, they're like a stub hub for Marco tickets now. You're like, I, I mean, don't know. You know, you me a Venmo. Who knows? Maybe it's not a sold if out you, show. <laughs> if you want to buy, if you want to buy me a seafood tower about it, we can talk, you know, we can talk. You can't be there at the dinner, but you can pay for it. And then we can talk about the tickets afterwards. Anyway, that's some sick shit. I don't really mean that. Please don't. Yeah, no. Anyway, good talk. Good talk. Um, what else is going on, Raph? And then we're going to make our way by we. Oh, uh, I'm playing with Marco Benevento at the Bowl, headlining the Broken Bowl on the 27th. Yeah. Um, which is the Saturday right after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving oh, is my your birthday's birthday. Coming up. Yeah, your birthday is Thanksgiving this year. That is correct. That is correct. So, uh, oh no, it's not. It's the day before, the twenty fourth. I think. I think Thanksgiving is the twenty fifth this year, though I'm not sure. But I think that's correct. Yeah, you're and, right. Uh, it's all just so great. It's so great. Um, so I'm looking forward to all that. I um, and then after that, you know, early December, my band flies down to Mexico to, to perform at Holidays, the destination event with the Disco Biscuits and Humphreys McGee and Mo and Romeo and you name it. So that will be awesome. And then right after that, we're going down to Miami to play the North Beach Bandshell uh, Fatty Festival where my band plays the first night, Marco plays the second night, but it's, uh, uh, you know, for all you jammers out there, it is just a star-studded event. It should be really, should be really fun. So yeah, I'm looking you get forward paid for to both some of those gigs, huh, Karina? Like the W. Yeah, I sure do, baby. Double duty. Double duty, baby. Double duty. <laughs> <laughs> I love when that works out. Exactly. However, however you want to spell it. But yes, that's sort of what's what's going on in my world, and I've been working on music and shedding various things that I need to shed and it's been uh, it's been a lovely time and I just you know for the record you know call me call me reckless call me what you want but you know live music you know to wrap this in a bow live music as much as I'm sure it's your life's blood it's my life's blood and people comment like oh I think you see more live music than any professional musician I know and it's like well that's always been my mo you know if I'm not playing I want to be seeing like in a big mm-hmm. way and I'm you know, super blessed to be able to, you know, live in New York City and see a ton of shows and all that. But the last five days, I just counted. Last Wednesday, I saw Beck and the Strokes at Brooklyn Steel for a private NFT party, which was the funniest thing of all time, where nobody knew the acts that were playing except for me (laughs) and and, and a few of my friends who got snuck in the back door. That was great. And, uh, and, Nobody cared about Beck, which was wildly painful for me because he is my favorite of all time. It's all okay. It's all good. Um, I'm seeing Beck tomorrow at Irving Plaza for the record. So I think that will be the redemption song that Beck needs. But it was Beck and the Strokes and then a Questlove DJ set. That was Wednesday. Then Thursday was Nathaniel Rateliff at the Beacon Theater. And then Friday was Thundercat. Saturday was Thundercat. And Sunday was Crumb at Brooklyn Steel. And so tonight I have rehearsal. And then tomorrow night I have Beck. The following night I, uh, oh yeah, here's a spoiler alert. I'm going to be on the BBC Music Life podcast hosted by a very dear friend of mine, an illustrious bass player and an absolute goddess. And you can only imagine who it is, but, um, you know, that's as much of a spoiler as I'm going to give. 
for now. I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, I leave for Portsmouth first thing uh, Thursday morning, Raph. So that is that is what's up with me. It's all great, all music all the time. If you're not see, if you're not playing, you're seeing. And I just want to be immersed in music all the time. It's all I ever dreamed of as a kid, really. And like the fact that I get to do it, get paid for it, and like you know, see as much of it as I can is such an amazing thing. And it just makes me feel like myself again. And it's amazing to think back in the pandemic, you know, the the, the throes of the pandemic, where the idea of going to a club to see music seemed so far away, you know, and so impossible. And now I'm like, wow, like this is, this is such a huge part of who I am. You know, it is who I am not to be that guy, but like, really, like I really hang my hat on that identity (laughs) and it's kind of crazy. So I'm just so glad to be able to see all the amazing artists that like feed my art, you know, and they feed my brain. It's never about a party. It's all about just enriching my musical sensibilities, you know, and seeing what other people are throwing down so that, you know, them being the truest version of themselves makes me be that to myself, you know, and it's just cool, man. It's just cool. So that's my soapbox speech. Hopefully somebody finds a little glimmer of hope and joy in there after such a downtrodden episode. Yeah. No, that was great. That was, yeah. that was honestly like the perfect way to end it. So I, I cannot add any more other than I love you folks. And I love you. Oh, Raph. Subscribe Ugh. to Relics. Relics.com slash subscribe. Three from the seven is brought to you by Relics Media Group. Our producer is Will Schwerd. Our audio engineer is Sam Lazarev. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.